between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow. Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. But in the battle for the survival of this republic, it's going to be reality and not illusion or delusion that will determine the future. We're live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on all your favorite directories, including iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or you can shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or call the van line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> oh my God. Yep, we never better get ready to rumble. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. On Friday night, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away at the ripe old age of 87 years old after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. And now we uh, are in a position just 45 days before the election to name a new justice to the Supreme Court, which would uh, solidify a conservative majority, either six to three or five to four, depending on whether where you believe John Roberts is in his judicial outlook at this point. He has been unreliable to say the least, but this is a, a monumental appointment. It's what the voters sent Donald Trump uh, to the white house in 2016 and a Senate majority an expanded Senate majority in 2018. But we're told that we cannot dare replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the court because her dying wish, her dying wish was that the new president get to appoint her successor. She didn't say the next president or the winner of the 2020 election. She said the new president, which I guess indicates that she believes that Joe Biden is going to be the new president. Well, she also believed that Hillary Clinton was going to be the new president. In 2016, she had an opportunity to step down in Barack Obama's second term, where she was uh, at the time suffering from pancreatic cancer. But she decided not to do so because she wanted the first female president to be able to name her successor. I guess she had been watching too much of the mainstream media and believed that uh, Hillary Clinton was a shoe-in. But her last dying wish was that the uh, current majority in the Senate and the president not appoint her successor. They wait until the Democrats can retake the White House and the Senate. That's not exactly how the Constitution works. I'm not surprised that would be her final wish because she made a long career of trying to circumvent the, the Constitution during her career at the ACLU and on the uh, Supreme Court. And she often held minority viewpoints, minority opinions. So once again, she is in the minority. But I'm not at all surprised that uh, that was her final wish. There are millions of late-term babies who never got their dying wish their only wish, which was to see their first birthday. RBG lived 87 years and got most of her wishes, but she was just fine with denying the only wish of those late-term babies 
And we're now being told that uh, we are somehow morally reprehensible for not obeying RBG's final dying wish. Dying wish. Here is AOC. I need you to be ready. And I need you to be ready to be responsive. And by that, I mean, we don't quite know what the next play is in terms of this issue on the Supreme Court, right? Mitch McConnell sent out a statement tonight. um, And as I said at the opening, the very last dying wish of RBG was that her vacancy not be filled until the new president takes office. The new president again. (laughs) They've, uh, They've already counted the votes, it sounds like. January. That was her dying wish. Tonight, Mitch McConnell publicly, the night that she, the night of her passing, he couldn't wait 24 hours, issued a statement saying that he was going to uh, give Trump a vote in violation of, of her dying wish. It's a violation. People can say how appalling, people could say this is horrible, etc. But we know who this man is. We know who this man is. This is a man who does not care about a dying woman's final wish. (laughs) Well, some people's dying wishes deserve to be honored and some people's don't. And I think uh, RGB, RBG, uh, this this final wish needs to be ignored. You know, uh, McConnell only made that statement after it was Chuck Schumer who rushed to Twitter to warn the president and the Senate majority leader that he better not try to replace the vacancy on the Supreme court. Of course you replace the vacancy. We have the white house. We have the Senate. The voters spoke in 2016 and again in 2018. And this is still their choice. The only polls that count here, you know, you're seeing all of these public opinion polls, these these trumped up, ginned up polls saying, uh, you know, the public supports Trump waiting. I don't believe those polls. And in any case, the only polls that count here are the ones that elected Trump in 2016 and the ones that elected a expanded majority Senate in 2018. They're trotting out this rule, they say, that uh, in the last year, uh, the Republicans told us we're we're not uh, going to consider any Supreme Court nominations. Yeah, that was when the uh, White House and the Senate were held by different parties. The Senate doesn't have any obligation to confirm the president's Supreme Court nomination, and if they have the majority, they can act on that. But in a year where they hold both the White House and the Senate, not only do they have a responsibility to the voters, but they have the power to push it through. And if the Democrats were in this position, they, of course, would do that. That's what uh, Tom Barrasso, the uh, senator from Wyoming, who was appearing on Chuck Todd's show, listen to how obtuse and how Chuck Todd uh, pretends he just can't wrap his mind around that idea. Uh, Senator, I want to get into the politics. Four years ago, you were emphatic on various ways you said it. You heard it in that list of clips. Uh, You would add on uh, different times, I want to give the American people a voice in this. Um, Why don't you want to give the American people a voice this time? Well, first, let's be very clear. If the shoe were on the other foot and the Democrats had the White House and the Senate, they would right now be trying to confirm another member of the Supreme Court. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. Don't we? Don't we know that? After the way that they freaked out over um, Kavanaugh replacing Kennedy on the court after the treatment they, they gave Bork and Thomas. We don't know that. I think we know that. ...is completely consistent, completely consistent with the precedent. What happened in 2016, and let's go back, we were following the Joe Biden rule. 
Joe Biden was clearly uh, was clear when he was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And he said, when there is a Senate of one party and a White House of the other, and he said this to George Herbert Walker Bush, he said, if there's a vacancy in that final year, we will not confirm. And that's what we did Senator- with Merrick Garland. But 29 times, Chuck, there have been vacancies in the year of a presidential election. And if both the White House and the Senate are of the same party, they go forward with the confirmation. 29 times. But they they want us to believe that now we're not allowed to do that. It's only when the Senate does not have uh, have to go ahead they have the votes not to go ahead with the president's nomination that um, they haven't gone forward. They haven't gone forward on a split government nomination since the 1880s. So, you know, I scoured, I have scoured um, all of these 2016 notes looking for these footnotes that have been added now. You guys have this, this new explanation. Never once um, on the Senate floor when election is just months away in 2016, you said that people should be allowed to consider possible Supreme Court nominees as one factor in deciding who they'll support for president. This shouldn't even really be controversial. Then you said this is not about the person. It's about the principle involved. And I want to give the American people a voice in this. Uh, I, I, Republicans have said there would, should not be a bitter political fight. We have called on the president to spare the country this fight. <laughs> Chuck Todd sounds like he's about to wet his pants. Right. The best way to avoid the fight is to agree to let the people decide. Senator, these are your words. Not once did you say, oh, it depends on what party the Senate holds versus the party of the president. This just sounds like a power grab, pure and simple. Well, it is the Biden rule, and this is the way, this is the precedent of the country. What you, you haven't there had is no Biden rule. There is no Biden rule. Well, Biden is going to be the next president, according to Chuck Todd and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Shouldn't we act on his direction when it comes to Supreme Court confirmations? You haven't had since 1888 when a party of the Senate and the House and the, and the White House were of different parties that anyone was confirmed. And that was the situation. Senator, I guess the question is, should viewers... When should should viewers just b- not believe anything you're saying today? Because whatever you're saying today will change depending on the politics of the moment. Senator, I want to just quote you back to yourself one more time. Mm-hmm. We have called on the president to spare the country this fight. The best way to avoid this fight, to agree to let the people decide, give the people a voice. Why is it that, that this, uh, this principle only matters when a Democrat is in the White House? Chuck Todd just cannot understand. One more time, Senator Barrasso tries to explain it to him. It's not that at all. We're, if, if we did something different now, we would be breaking with the precedent that has long been established. And if the president and the Senate are of the what same party, precedent? you move along with conflict. What precedent? The 29 precedents he already cited to you, Chuck. But, Chuck, but you have no ahead. regrets that Senate Republicans are going to look like hypocrites 44 days before the election for just a complete flip-flop to the average American. Uh uh, politicians looking like hypocrites. Egads. I'm shocked. I mean, I know you're trying to come up with these caveats. Nothing about it uh, makes any sort of sense to the average person. Uh, nothing about it makes any sort of sense to the average person. It makes pretty good sense. He just doesn't want to accept it. You know, we had uh, we had uh, Robert Spencer on last week talking about presidential history, and uh, I was pointing out that these uh, these most famous presidential historians have all become talking heads for the hashtag resistance. Michael Beschloffs, who was previously a respected presidential historian before he took the big paychecks from MSNBC to become one of their resistance talking heads, appeared uh, this weekend with Joy Reid and, uh, and uttered these falsehoods. You know, John Adams, as you well know, just as well as I do, said that in a republic has to be a government of laws, not of men. Now he would say men and women. But he wasn't entirely right. And the founders somewhat let us down because our system is not invulnerable to people who do not do the right thing. Let's say that someone else had been the Republican leader other than Mitch McConnell in February of 2016. You might not have had a Supreme Court seat stolen from Barack Obama almost a year before he was going to leave office. And I think we may be seeing the same thing right now. One more stolen seat that. 
This is a presidential historian pretending that he does not know, understand that in the final year of a presidency, if he's got a Senate from the opposing party, they're not going to confirm his nominations. I mean, we've got a long established history of that, but Michael Beschloss is now pretending that he doesn't understand history and he's talking about stolen seats. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. When you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can get a powerful Internet experience and nationwide coverage on the most reliable network. Choose the data option that's right for you. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Based on root metrics by IHS Markets Root Score Reports 2H2020 of four mobile networks. Well, when the media and the uh, Democrats uh, don't carry your water for you, they can always count on these rhino Republicans. We've got three of them in the U.S. Senate. Two of the three, Murkowski and Collins, have already come out and said that they don't want to vote on a replacement until after the election, giving the Democrats a possibility of controlling the high court. They'll probably be joined uh, today or, or maybe this evening by Mitt Romney, who, uh, who will also throw in with the rhinos, Jeff Flake, who, uh, who went wobbly on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh also weighed in, uh, after des- declining to run for reelection because he knew that he was not going to be reelected. And, uh, he said on Twitter in 2016, we Republicans said that the next president should fill the Supreme court vacancy. We should hold the same position now. Preserving the institution of the Senate should be paramount to any political gain. Actually, that's why you hold the Senate. That's how you preserve the institution. But, um, you know, we can lose three votes, even if they join in with the other side instead of just uh, voting to abstain or vote present and still um, pass Trump's nomination. That would require, of course, um, uh, Mike Pence to come in and cast the deciding vote. Here's a clip from MSNBC with um, yeah, Alex. So with uh, they're they're setting up uh, the coming battle. Is Senator Lisa Murkowski is the second senator to come out and say that the Senate should not vote on a uh, new nominee by this president before Election Day. She's a fiercely independent Republican from Alaska, and she is the second senator to buck her party and the majority leader, who Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell asked members to keep their powder dry for the time being. If, if you want to talk about polls, let's poll the people in Alaska and see if they support Lisa Murkowski's position. I doubt very seriously they would. Uh, she is almost certainly just uh, given up any hopes of being reelected. She's not up this time, but uh, she'll be up in the next cycle. Lisa Murkowski is voting contrary to the will of her own constituents because she hates Trump. Trump's, Trump's a meanie. He said bad things about her. When she went wobbly on the Kavanaugh uh, nomination. I don't think a vote should move forward. But in a statement, here is what Senator Murkowski said. She says that she did not support taking up a nomination eight months before the 2016 election to fill the vacancy created by Justice Scalia. We are now even closer to the 2020 election, less than two months out, and I believe that the same standards must apply. So she joins her fellow lawmakers. Okay, let's, let's just, for the sake of argument, say that the Republicans are hypocrites, that they only didn't act on Merrick Garland's nomination uh, out of uh, trying to preserve a conservative majority 
on the Supreme Court. Good. That's fine. This is politics. Politics <laughs> involves changing positions depending on the uh, the political realities of the time. So if they want to claim that Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are hypocrites and they, they really want to believe that, that's just fine. But they should not miss this historic opportunity. Nancy Pelosi was on um, this week with George Stephanopoulos. And uh, George decided it was uh, a good idea to push the possibility, the specter of impeachment. Some have mentioned the possibility, if they try to push through a nominee in a lame duck session, that, that you and this, the House could move to impeach President, President Trump or Attorney General Barr as a way of stalling and preventing the Senate from acting on this nomination. Well, we have our options. We have arrows in our quiver that I'm not about to discuss. Right. So, you know, there was also a so-called rule that you don't impeach a president in his last year in office. The Democrats ignored that entirely. And now George Stephanopoulos is raising the idea and, and Nancy Pelosi is not uh, knocking it down there that maybe they can impeach the president to stall. <sighs> Well, I mean, I guess they've used impeachment before to try to damage this president and keep him from being reelected. So why not now? Let's uh, let's take a walk back in time to when Obama nominated Merrick Garland and hear what the Democrats said back then. As long as we're talking about hypocrisy, let's hear what the position they held on nominations in a final year. The American people deserve a fully staffed court of nine. The president nominates and then the Senate advises and consents or not, but they go forward with the process. What we're seeing here, and I hope this is temporary, is a disrespect to the Constitution. The Constitution is 100% clear. The president of the United States has the right to nominate someone to be a justice of the Supreme Court. Senate's function is to hold hearings and to vote. The blockade on filling a naturally occurring vacancy, in my view, is harmful to the independence of the Article Three branch. You cannot keep a seat on the Supreme Court, which represents all of us. You cannot keep it vacant against the Constitution. Do pretty much everything they can to avoid acknowledging the legitimacy of our democratically elected president. The American people expect the president's nominee to be given a fair hearing and a timely vote in the Senate. Every day that goes by without a ninth justice is another day the American people's business is not getting done. I say to you, do your job. Vote for a Supreme Court nominee. Instead of just saying the blanket rule is no matter who you are, no matter what your qualifications, because you were sent by this president, we will create a unique rule for you and refuse to entertain you. No, it's the Democrats. Ooh, this one's Kamala Harris. Listen, listen to this. One of the most important um, consequences of who is president of the United States is who sits on the United States Supreme Court. If you want to stop extremism in your party, you can start by showing the American people. Uh, no, it's the Democrats that are being hypocrites here. The Republicans stopped Merrick Garland's nomination because they had the majority and they could stop it. They have no obligation to stop a nomination from a president of their own party. And the Democrats acknowledged as much just a couple of years ago, but now they're spinning on their hills and their hypocrisy will be entirely ignored by the mainstream media. Fill that seat. That's what we need to do. Trump supporters at the rally in North Carolina broke out in chants. Fill that seat. Got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the possible nominees right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. Stick with us. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. 
Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of the women. <laughs> Crush your enemies. That's the that's where we're at in American politics now. Do you have any doubt that the Democrats would crush you if they could be? We're being told now by the same people who engaged in the character assassination, a truly disgusting spectacle of Brett Kavanaugh, that we have to be fair. We have to they're appealing to our fairness. The same people that that crucified Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh want to now advise us on fairness when it comes to judicial nominations. Oh, my goodness. Uh, back in that first half hour, I referred to, or um, uh, Barrasso, Senator Barrasso referred to the Biden rule. I should have played it then, but here is Joe Biden. Uh, back in more lucid days for him, I think this was in 2016. He was vice president at the time, uh, laying down what he believes should happen when there's a nomination in the last year of a president's term. I made it absolutely clear that I would go forward with the confirmation progress process as chairman, even a few months before presidential election. If the nominee were chosen with the advice and not merely the consent of the Senate, just as the Constitution requires. My consistent advice to presidents of both parties, including this president, has been that we should engage fully in the constitutional process of advice and consent. And my consistent understanding of the Constitution has been the Senate must do so as well, period. Period, period. He was referring, actually, to his earlier laying down the law. The truth of the matter is the reason they didn't move forward with the Merrick Garland nomination in 2016 is because Merrick Garland was not going to be confirmed. Unlike the Democrats, the Republicans weren't going to drag Merrick Garland before these hearing committees and smear him, destroy his character, dredge up people to come to the hearing room and tell lies. They, uh, Mitch McConnell treated the, uh, the process with the dignity that it deserved, and that's by not moving forward with the nomination that he knew was going to fail. David Axelrod is uh, is trying to come up with new and interesting arguments that uh, that Trump should not move forward with a nominee by saying that um, by saying that uh, Trump's nominations have been chosen by a minority of the country. He said, "If Donald Trump and Majority Leader ram through a replacement now." The Supreme Court will have a majority of justices appointed by presidents who finish second in the popular vote, confirmed by Senate majorities who represent less than half of the country. A tyranny of the minority. Well, guess who else uh, is sitting, was sitting on the Supreme Court that were appointed and confirmed by minorities? That would be uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was appointed by Bill Clinton, who won with a minority of the vote. And the still-sitting Stephen Breyer, who was also appointed by Clinton, who got a minority of the vote. K. 
can't remember if they were confirmed by a Republican or a Democrat Senate. But Axelrod leaves out that <laughs> that interesting little tidbit. By the way, Stephen Breyer is now the oldest member of the Supreme Court. I think he's 82 years old now. Average life expectancy for a man in this country is 75 years old. So, <laughs> ah, it could be a solid, uh, solid conservative majority on the court before this is all over with. I'll tell you the truth. I'm kind of surprised that the Democrats didn't just hide RBG's corpse until after the election. She hasn't been attending uh, oral arguments at the Supreme Court uh, because of her illness. And her clerks have been writing her opinions. They could have, you know, kept marching with that. But, you know, the, the current situation where the Democrats are trying to implement their cheap by vote schemes makes it even more important that we have a, a functioning Supreme Court. The, the, the worst possible outcome is that if and when, and I, I think it's almost certain that it will end up in the courts because of the recent court rulings in Pennsylvania and Michigan, uh, that, that this election have a fully functioning Supreme Court. The Democrats are already threatening violence. They're threatening that nothing is off the table. They won't tell you what is on the table, but I think we having watched them for the last four years, no impeachment riots. Hell, I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk of violence against the president and this is not new either. We've had, uh, Democrats and Hollywood celebrities, uh, fantasizing about assassinating this president. They put on a, a play in Central Park where they had a character um, representing Trump that was assassinated on stage. And you've got, uh, you've got these, these uh, unhinged leftists, Reza Aslan, former talking head for CNN before he was uh, caught on video engaging in cannibalism, actual cannibalism, who says uh, if the president moves forward with a, a nominee that uh, we're going to burn this entire effing thing down. Of course, when he talks about, you know, setting fires, he's, uh, he's, he's talking about Democrat cities because if you come out to Trump country, and try that crap, you'll end up in jail for 10 years or more. And uh, Reza Aslan wouldn't do very well in prison. But the Democrats are set to make utter asses of themselves in the coming, well, right up until January 20th. The nomination will and the hearings will probably take place and get underway this week, but the actual vote on a Supreme Court nominee will be after um, the election. Usually takes about 90 days to confirm a justice, but you can get get them through the hearing well before the, uh, the election. Interesting point is uh, Joe Biden was actually the judiciary chairman when the Democrats savaged and, and um, denigrated Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas. He was also there when uh, the Democrats at the judiciary tried to destroy Miguel Estrada's life. So the idea that we ought to defer to him in this is uh, is pretty amazing. Here's a clip uh, back from when Clarence Thomas was being nominated and Joe Biden was the uh, judiciary chairman. Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally, uncategorically, that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way 
that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her, that I ever had any personal sexual interest in her, or that I in any way ever harassed her. Now, of course, this was after Anita Hill was brought up there to uh, to to uh, smear Judge Thomas, who had had a long and uh, honorable career. There was no proof whatsoever. It was just simply her false, bare allegations. They dusted off that same playbook and tried to deploy it against Brett Kavanaugh 20 years later. My life and my integrity. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. So this is a little bit of karma coming back and biting biting Biden and the Democrats in the ass. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the the lunacy that the Democrats unleash. Of course, they're going to have Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots redoubling their efforts in these Democrat cities, burning down their own own towns. You're going to have uh, these leftist lunatics in the hearing room screaming and being drug out. I encourage uh, Mitch McConnell to let as many of these left-wing lunatics into the hearing room as possible because they will embolden the Democrat minority on the Judiciary Committee to act even more foolishly and expose their uh, their radical uh, smears. But there really could be no greater justice for what they did to Bork and Kavanaugh and Thomas than for the Republican senators to just remain calm, listen to the testimony, push forward, and then deliberately and without apology vote to confirm the Supreme Court just, uh, justice. And as Reza Aslan wants to burn down the entire effing thing, well, I'd like to see him try. Here's a, uh, a little clip from MSNBC again with Joy Reid talking about their, uh, their options when it comes to stalling this nominee. What consequences are Senate Democrats willing to put on the table? Um, will, Senate, will Senate Democrats consider um, expansion of the court, putting more members on, as Neil Katyal said, Democrats would have every right to do, um, immediately making D.C. a state, adding more senators? What Katyal last night said. <laughs> They're going to put everything on the table. We're going to make D.C. a state. We're going to make a city a state, and we're going to make a territory a state so we can get those senators on board. That's what's at stake, and that's what will happen if Joe Biden was uh, was elected president and will be allowed to choose the next Supreme Court justice. To me, and I believe said on other programs on MSNBC, that Democrats would be well within their rights to start packing the court. Um, there was a threat when they thought Hillary Clinton was going to win that they said they would filibuster her, her Supreme Court picks for four or eight years that they had to, mm-hmm. to keep any Democrat from ever filling. So this is now on the table. Democrats right. need to respond in kind, right? I mean, do you see any other option? No. Uh, Democrats can't Jonathan just Jonathan K. Threaten. They have to mean it. 
they have to mean it when they say we are going to get rid of the filibuster rule if you do this, that we are going to add uh, Supreme Court seats or, or justices to the Supreme Court if you do this. And I think there are a whole lot of other things that could be added to the, the threat list. The threat list. They're threatening us. They're threatening us with violence. They're threatening to upend the Constitution. They're threatening to do whatever it takes to suppress the majority view in this country. I don't think most Republicans are going to react too well to the Democrats' threats. I think they're, uh, they're sort of cutting their uh, nose off to spite their face here. But Antifa and Black Lives Matter arson will escalate in this, and we have, have to be prepared for that. FBI Director Robert Ray was on Capitol Hill last week and said that uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter are not organizations. Our real problem is white supremacy. We'll talk more about that when we get back right after these messages. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So Robert Way was uh, on Capitol Hill last week and uh, claimed that Antifa is not really a terrorist organization. They're not really a group at all that elicited this response from uh, Texas Representative Ben Crenshaw. Me to be downplaying it. And this is an ideology that organizes locally. It coordinates regionally and nationally. It wears a standardized uniform. It collects funds to buy high-powered lasers to blind federal officers, build homemade explosive devices, feed their rioters since they clearly aren't working, and then bail out those who've been arrested. This is an ideology that has trained its members, makes shield wall phalanxes to attack federal officers. It formed an autonomous zone in an American city and besieged a federal courthouse in another. So, I mean... It just seems to be more than an ideology. Do you have a way to, to, to define what you mean by it's not a group? So uh, I want to be clear that by describing it as, as an ideology or movement, I by no means mean to minimize uh, the seriousness of the violence and criminality that uh, is going on across the country. Well, what he's doing it when he says it's not a group is it, uh, it limits their ability to bring RICO laws against them and uh, cripple their funding and their organization. Now, you could say that, you know, he's just got a misunderstanding, but it's pretty hard to believe that a director of the FBI who is responsible for enforcing law and order is up there claiming that Antifa, which is an international organization that is funded by the left, that organizes, they're all over Facebook and Twitter, that engages in organized and coordinated riots and assaults throughout this country. Our FBI director doesn't think that they're a group. Some of which is attributable to that uh, people inspired by or who self-identify with that ideology yeah. and movement. We're focused on that violence, on that criminality, and some of it is extremely serious. And, um, and, and you mentioned before three categories, the criminality, the peaceful protesting, but then and you didn't use these words, but I will, ideological rioting. I think that sort of matches that third category of what you said, the people who purposefully want to instigate it, Antifa being clearly one of them. So I want to read you the, the, the definition of domestic terrorism, um, section 2331. says, domestic terrorism has three components. A, involve acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state. B, appear to be intended uh, first to intimidate or coerce a civilian population. Two, to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion. Or three, to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. And C, occur primarily within the territorial jurisdiction of the United States. D does that at all match the, the activities of Antifa? 
Well, certainly matches the activity of some of the individuals we're investigating uh, and have pursued uh, other kinds of charges against you. So Robert Ray, who at the same time, uh, you know, justified the continued uh, uh, prosecution of um, terrorist groups on the right are saying that uh, there, there is no Antifa. They're not a group per se. They're just people who dress up in uniforms, coordinate their efforts, raise money, engage in coordinated violent activity. They're not actually a group. We can only arrest them when they break the law. We can't go after their sources of funding or organization. Unbelievable. I had a poll on, uh, on social media on Twitter last week asking what percentage of Democrats do you believe are actually suffering from mental illness? And when you watch these riots and these Black Lives Matter and Antifa uh, lunatics on TV, you can see that they appear to be suffering from mental illness. And the choices in this poll were 20, 30, 40, and 50%. The final results is 66.7% of the respondents think that over 50% of Democrats now fall into the category of mental illness. I think that's probably right. Just listening to, um, listening to them and listening to their elected representatives, they seem to have lost their minds. Joe Biden had a, an event at, I think it was in Pennsylvania again. He's uh, very worried about losing Pennsylvania. And he showed up in uh, one of these uh, forums where, you know, nobody's present and you've got a handful of reporters sitting in circles. He doesn't have, ever answer any of the questions, so I'm not sure why these reporters are bothering to show up. But I, I really don't understand why is Joe Biden traveling out of state to go to an empty room and talk to less than 10 people? I mean, what's the point? It'd be cheaper to fly them to Delaware to hear what he has to say. Uh, after you consider, you know, the size of his entourage that he's taking to talk to seven people. But this, uh, this event was really something to see. Joe Biden had to walk about, I guess, 30 paces from the curtain to the microphone. And by the time he got there, he was completely out of breath and struggling to, uh, to make a statement. But then he said this ridiculous and uh, bewildering thing. And perhaps most cruelly of all, if Donald Trump has his way, the complications from COVID-19, which are well beyond what they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. He gads 200 million people died of COVID. It's worse than I thought. <laughs> it's the same Joe Biden. I guess they're just writing down uh, numbers with a lot of zeros on his uh, teleprompter and he can't figure it out. So he just puts a million behind every number. He had previously said that 150 million people had died from gun violence in this country. Now he says that 200 million people are dead from COVID. So <laughs> I guess there's not going to be anybody left to pack the court with. Right after he finished making that absurd statement, he spun on his hill, heels and uh, walked out without answering any questions. I mean, he looked like he was actually running away from them. A Joe Biden run. Here is uh, Trump's uh, new short ad that he's running on um, on Joe Biden and his energy compared with Donald Trump's ability to bring back this economy. For me, the most important issue is jobs. We need to be able to pay our bills. I trust Donald Trump on jobs way more than I do Joe Biden. There's no doubt that Donald Trump has built the strongest economy we've ever seen, and I know that he will do it again. 
Joe Biden doesn't have the energy and his ideas like raising taxes, it's going to hurt us. I'm sticking with Donald Trump. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. That is the the uh, the message that Trump needs to drive home. The Democrats are going to make the case against themselves when it comes to running this country. Their idea of uh, governing America is to tear America down, to uh, to vilify it, to destroy its institutions, and uh, and pursue a, a far left Marxist ideology. Biden is a. Uh, claiming that Trump's an elitist. As I said last night in my hometown, I view this campaign as between Scranton and Park Avenue. All Trump sees from Park Avenue is Wall Street. That's why the only metric of the American prosperity for him is the value of the Dow Jones. Like a lot of you, I spent a lot of my life with guys like Donald Trump looking down on me. Looking down on the people who make a living with their hands. People who take care of our kids. Clean our streets. Maybe what bothers me most is the way he talks about, reported, he talks about from too many sources confirmed by many outlets. The way he's talked about the men and women who joined the military. And get- <laughs> They're attacking Trump on the military. We haven't had a stronger supporter of the military in the White House since Ronald Reagan. But, you know, the hypocrisy. They like to talk about hypocrisy. Joe Biden lives in one of the largest mansions in Delaware. It was the former DuPont mansion. He also has a $3 million beach house out at Rehoboth Beach, Maryland. And he achieved all this on a salary of about $150,000 a year. And he wants to tell us that Donald Trump is an elitist. Joe Biden was able to buy that mansion and that beach house and all of his other um, luxury items, not from creating jobs, not from creating prosperity, not from creating free enterprise, he was able to do that because he carried the water for the credit card companies in the U.S. Senate for 47 years. And he passed legislation that allowed those credit card companies to bilk Americans with usury interest rates and these default interest rates that uh, if you were ever a day late, they would raise your rate from a teaser rate to 29%. And while when the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. 